Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome, Agora community, to a yet another uh, conversation with with uh, myself and David Hubert. We have um, a guest that I have never had the pleasure of meeting today until just today, right before the stream. Um, and it's, um, it's I'm not going to do an intro. I'm going to let David do it because he has a professional relationship with this fine individual. His name is Leo Sanchez. Um, his full name is Leo Sanchez Barbosa. I never get to ask him what he actually goes by. I get the sneaky suspicion it's probably just Leo Sanchez because that's his, uh, that's what he's put under his portrait, which you will all see for yourself very, very soon. Let's bring in David. Hello, David. A professional relationship seems sounds <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> I like it though. I like it. We don't. I didn't say what. It could be something completely unrelated to 3D. Like I mean, I for know. all we know, I know. You know, maybe build kites together. I have no idea. Yeah, actually, I met uh, Leo. We had some common friends uh, a while back. Uh, he, he started. I mean, he's been in the industry. He's almost a, he's all as old as we are. So he started in the uh, industry early 2000, worked in London for a couple of years, moved to uh, LA where he worked at Disney. Uh, so among, so Bolt and Tangle. Actually, when I met him, I think he was working uh, on Tangle. Um, um, and yeah, so we had a common friends uh, uh, a couple of years after he came to DreamWorks, worked on uh, Dragon 2. Uh, and after that, he started his own uh, studio, which is, uh, you know, working really well today. And I mean, working on a ton of other projects that uh, hopefully we'll have time to discuss uh, about today. So very yeah, exciting. very much looking forward to the stream. And again, in our series of Let's Have Non-Animators guest. So here we go. Yeah, One that's more. what I was going to say. That's, I, that's what I'm excited. I like it when we freshen things up a little bit and bring in people that are on the peripheral. I mean, like, obviously, very, like... It's it's a it's a it's a uh, a specialty that is so closely related to animation because obviously the first step is to kind of create this form. Then an animator is going to have to move around. So very interested to hear all his thoughts on that. So let's bring him in. Here he comes. Hold on, do I have? I, mean, I wonder. I wonder if I can get it right. <laughs> I've. <laughs> you don't look impressed, Leo. I, I... I was trying to stay very still, like if actually that, <laughs> exactly. that was perfect. That was perfect. The applause. The table around. It's it's just like, well, the you know, the part you missed is I usually hit the wrong button. I do something really awkward like this, and it, it's it never it never ends well. So so both like, of them would have worked. It's yeah, it would have it would have. Welcome to the stream. Hello, thank you, thank you for having me. That's, good. That's going to be great. In my, I I did a very brief uh, uh, overview, um, and there, there's probably definitely more project that that, that you worked uh, onto. But let's just start there from your coming for to America in uh, uh, Disney. Uh, how how did that happen? From you know, 
just application being hired when you got there. You had a little bit of the imposter syndrome when you got there. And how all this part uh, fall into play? How did I get to the US as a, yeah. the beginning? Um, well, I was in, in London. One of the things you say, two years in London, actually I spent six years in London. That's why it was a big, a big chunk of time in the beginning of my career. Mm -hmm. um, I was working most of the time for a studio um, called Uli Meyer, which is uh, one of you know, the most recognized to the animation studios in, or it was in London until not too long ago. And so coming from a CG background, <clears throat> not like 2D or uh, classical animation, I managed to build a portfolio based on serial commercials and some of Uli's, uh, Uli's feature films that we could develop in between projects. But that was one of the places that I could really, um, you know, one of the few places in Europe, I think, that I could work in cartoon characters in CG, you know, under the umbrella of Uli and his mentorship. So it was, we work on a movie called Valiant um, that was at the end distributed by Disney. After that, Disney came to do a recruitment. Um, and I was lucky enough that my portfolio was, you know, along this cartoon, uh, you know, world and, and, you know, that got me a place at, uh, at Disney. And uh, yeah, that was a long story short, it's pretty much it. <laughs> and what was your first project uh, when you got to Disney? So I came to Disney for a studio they built called Circle 7, which was, uh, oh, yeah. do you know the story about that? Um, yeah, they were supposed to do all the sequel of Pixar movies before Disney purchased Pixar, right? Yeah. So I came in like two weeks after I arrived, they, Disney, there was the acquisition of Pixar. Disney bought Pixar. John Lasseter and Ed Catmull came on board. And the first thing they did was shut down the studio. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was them or Pixar or whoever, but it happened. It was very dramatic. I mean, uh, it was a lot of people left their houses and their countries to move and work for this you know, very bright future at, uh, at Disney uh, animation. And, and all of a sudden, a lot of people lost their jobs. I was lucky enough to, to that they kept me. It was mm -hmm. for, for a while, it was a, a, you know, a period of time that were just in between, um, a bit uncertain, but it's just, um, I was lucky enough to stay. And um, Yeah, and it, it felt very much period. like it was part of the deal that, you know, whatever would happen that, Disney would close down this thing that was that seemed to be to maybe put a little bit of pressure because the the owned the the, the rights of all the sequels and the toys and, and all that. Because uh, I know other people that left you know everything behind, got to the studio, and just overnight it's like okay, you don't have work anymore. So it's good to know that you've been you know lucky to do the uh, transition right away to Disney Animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was. That was good. I mean, it brought a lot of opportunities. If I always think that through these times that are uncertain and mm -hmm. this and a place is changing, you know, even if it's a bit difficult, it's also the most exciting place to be. Yeah. And it really was uh, in my case. I mean, I can speak for myself, and but it's you get chances to work with uh, people that normally you wouldn't because you know once you know you're in in the chain of production, is things are working differently. So. Mm -hmm required a bit of patience on on my side but uh, it was at the same time it was it was really great yeah yeah i'm curious because one of the things that i uh, noticed at, at dream was i'm, I'm pretty sure what it, it, it might have been the, the case as disney as well which is something that i did not experience uh in many studios in montreal that didn't have the same 
budget that didn't have the same quality of artist uh, is often the uh, director, uh, character designers, and even animation supervisor when you're working on developing a character that would do a lot of drawovers on uh, on the, uh, the 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 work of the the the, the character artist. Um, is that something that you that you uh, experienced yourself when you started to to work at, at Disney? I was I was coming with that as I'm, I can express it. Um, working with Uli Meyer in London, being a 2D animation studio, that's what I, to me, that was the best training I could get. It was the 360. It was kind of working, again, I say the, the commercial, like a serial commercial, but to me, that was one of the most kind of innovative uh, ways of working because you work in a small production. And in fact, I think is where a lot of the production nowadays have evolved into more collaborative, more 360, uh, you know, uh, workflow. And so that's really, to me, where it was a big highlight and what I got used to work that way. And 2D was, to me, a must uh, have. I mean, working in a studio with Uli along his side, alongside his, uh, you know, his, his colleagues that were amazing 2D animators, you know, that was really part of, of the process because I knew 3D before coming to London, but not but I really learned it properly working at Uli's studio. So it was really a big part of my 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 day-to-day -day way of working. Um, at Disney, it was a, an extension. I mean, it's a 2D animation studio, but at the time it was the 3D. And not necessarily the 2D was connected that well still with the, with the mm. say, modeling uh, department. Yeah. Um, but you will have people like Gene Kim and you know, later be a swap, like outstanding, you know, draftsman and, and, you know, incredible. And it's, it's really, I mean, I'm kind of diverting a bit from your question, but it's, it's, it wasn't like that direct to me. I mean, in a way I was coming from a smaller studio and it was more um, injected all working together. And, but at Disney, I think it happened more and more through the changes with John Lasseter and the things that happened really, uh, during Bolt, which was the first kind of project that acquired this workflow. So yeah. uh, I'm sorry, I think I feel I'm going around, but obviously it wasn't right away, let's put it this way. But the, the, you know, the, the people were there and, and eventually just all connected uh, really yeah. well. That you touched on, on something interesting. So uh, was uh, Bolt the, 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 the first uh, project that you worked on over there? Yeah, yeah, I was working on, on, they put me first on special projects because they had these things that they were, so they, they were directors, potential directors. They wanted to, people from, let's say, story supervisors and, you know, people that John Lasseter really trusted and wanted to, to make them elevate them. And that's my perception, by the way. Mm -hmm. and, um, and people like um, Chris Williams, Byron Howard, so they started developing short films and mm -hmm. those were part of the special projects. So that's where I was working. So it kind of gave me um, a, a way to, to start working with, you know, like Byron or, or Chris and, and, you know, that, that's, that's yeah. the, mostly me, the projects I work on. And then eventually I, I moved to um, Bolt when Byron uh, and Nathan Greeno uh, no, sorry, Byron and, and sorry, Chris Williams and uh, and Byron started to, to work on the project. Because you arrive at a pretty interesting time because in between the Meet the Robinson and Chicken Little and then Bolt and then Tangle, I mean, the ramp up of, you know, what 
I can only describe as what everyone would be expecting from Disney to to produce in terms of CG. There's a so you arrive right at that time. Do, do you observe what happened during the, this time? Because it's pretty dramatic the the quality in between the first few CG movies from Disney to Tangle, and then after that it was just like to you know never looking back. I mean, I don't know before because I didn't work on Chicken Little or Meet the Robinsons, but to me, it's just this transition that I was just describing to me. I mean, I, I wouldn't put literally names, but it's just the whole Pixar acquisition. Uh, I mean, if I could say John Lasseter as a creative head, I think had a major, mm -hmm. major impact. And then Ed Catmull was... Uh, amazing as well and then the people already working at, at the studio feature you know i think everything kind of shaped up and and it brought all these opportunities for uh everyone working at the studio to just you know bring something in but i think it was it was really that i mean that 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 moment so it was more the the, the leadership the higher uh, upper upper leadership in general because you mentioned head catmo i think we're used to the, the name John Lasseter, of course, but I think that Head Catmull, other than everyone that read Creativity Inc., are maybe less aware of his story and the impact that, that he had. But if anything, he, he, he was at least as influential, if not even more than uh, John Lasseter, just in general for how to lead a studio and how to let creative do their work but still within a framework of we have to deliver a product at the uh, at the end so uh, i i can imagine the, the 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 change that that happened during that that time must have been pretty dramatic it was yeah it was massive i mean to me it was as i said at the beginning is uh is i think is the times that are most excited exciting to me that you know it's uh yeah. and if yeah, I mean, to me, it's working. I'm, I, I was an, obviously an executive, and I don't know what was happening at the very top. But from an artist's point of view, I mean, if we talk about Ed Catmull, you see that he, he will be making things happen, little changes, bigger changes, but very noticeable. And then he will be listening to all of us. He will create meetings, uh, even lunches, dinners, and bring artists on the table and ask for... Um, everyone's opinion and to me that really has you know that means quite a lot you know um mm -hmm. so yeah i think it's i have a very um very fond memory of, uh, of that time and of ed's of capital yeah. you know this all these guys and get into disney were you impressed with the level of you know skills and impressed in the sense that it can be almost like frightening when you get to those those studio of oh my god i need to I need to deliver. I need to not not uh, uh, fucked it up uh, because I might not have an other chance. So, what, was that this mindset, or it was more just a happy new adventure for you and going just go with the flow? I was just going with the flow, to be honest. I mean, I, I even when I just arrived and all the um, layoffs and, and all of that happened, I've been, you know. I, I, I was single at the time and it was, I never had any pressure. I always felt like whatever happens, you know, I was lucky enough to say, well, if I, if I go back to Europe, I'll be, it's not a big deal, you know, I'll be happy. And the same with work. I was quite, quite relaxed. Um, and then in terms of level, I mean, it's, uh, there was, a, you know, it was quite diverse. You know, mm -hmm. it was definitely a lot of people to look up to. 
you know yeah yeah um, so yeah i think i would put it that way really and, and then obviously i mean i always look out to to me i mean every department every people i mean another one i sound like cliche or anything but even from production the production side uh, all from the production side to the to the creative i love the top the top level the third floor where you go and it's all the visual development to the artists designers that's even though i come from a cg background but also having been at Uli Meyer before all these years, you know, that was a place where I really enjoy being. And it's mm-hmm. that, that's what it really was they did to me, but that's technical. I mean, you go down to the other level and then you get the massive um, tech guys. That's it's incredible. I mean, but the most immediate for me, like again, going in and seeing uh, Gene Kim and all these guys, I mean, that was pretty, pretty yeah. big. And, pretty inspiring. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, you, you worked on uh, Rapunzel, right? Yeah. So how, because at this point, I mean, there's probably artists that, that have been at, at Disney for 10, 15 years at, at that point. Um, and, you know, it's often sometime with Brent, we do some uh, Q, uh, Q&A and we just answer questions from the uh, people in the industry. Like, you know, I've been in industry for a long time, but it, it's not everyone that have a chance to climb uh, rapidly. So how... How did it happen uh, for you to be from the new one that arrived to literally being the character artist working on the main character of a big production like uh, this one? How do I explain this? With <laughs> I mean, <it's>, uh, <laughs> you can, I think it sounds. Uh, I, but it, I, I will go again back to the transition time. I mean, to the the moment I was describing that was a moment of transition and changes and that that was really it i mean it's uh, I, I guess my skill set fit quite well at the time and the way i mean working on the short films with byron and chris williams <laughs> kind of allowed me to kind of uh, you know uh, just do the, what i can do and the ways i would work and i guess that kind of connected it didn't really happen from one day to another it's true mm-hmm. that it happened pretty quickly but the initial step was bolt working on bolt himself and, and you know and a few mm-hmm. other actors and then immediately after rapunzel so yeah but i think it's really the studio was really hungry for for change so it was um, people like me new people we had uh, you know we had a, a place and a voice you know to, yeah. to show what so it was literally having the skills and experience with the at the right timing and when there's an opportunity right place right time definitely i mean that's that's one of the things i yeah like if i was in another studio that was just going and it has all the hierarchy and the structure is a lot harder um i think so yeah i think i will give credit to that definitely i'm curious um what like the the genesis of like so you said you came from cg right and then you kind of like but did you were you always doing like 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 if you go all the way back to where you started this journey, this artistic um, profession, um, did you always think that you would end up being like a character artist? Like, was it like? I wanted to be an animator. That's that's that was my big goal, you know. Uh, but it's funny being at Uli Meyer, and then you see these guys that are two D. A good friend of mine, Daniel Martin Peche. <clears throat> he's at this. Well, he just left Disney actually. He was, he was coming from a 2D background and he quickly learned 3D. <clears throat> and on my side, I was, you know, doing all the, 
all the character creation. I mean, at the beginning, you do everything. And I, I was yeah. even at 18 at the very beginning. And then you see these guys, they're like, geez, you know, they have the hoodie, <laughs> they, they draw, sketch the poses before they do the, you know, they, they do their thing. And I, I kind of, is. It's not that I quit that idea, but naturally I kind of went more. I enjoy work a lot working on models combined with rigging, you know, and then, you know, I saw that much more of a path. And naturally also these other guys were like done were animating. So, um, so yeah, initially I was going for, I wanted to be a two, uh, 3D animator, but uh, I just landed on the other, on the other side. And, uh, do you feel like, so, cause I mean, I, I find that really fascinating and not surprising considering kind of what I said at the beginning of the stream, this idea that we're all kind of, all these artists, there's many specialties that go to come to kind of come together to create a character. Like, I mean, the character artists have to do it. The concept artists have to do it. There's like, there's, there's the voices that are going to voice. Like there's so many people that contribute to it. And like, if you came from the sort of the 3d, you know, the character animation angle, and then just decided to pivot um, what do you think that you brought, what do you bring with you, uh, to the, to, to this type of job that you feel like, uh, you, uh, you're kind of boring from your, the 3d animator that lives inside your head. Sorry, sorry. Re sorry. It's kind of, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long, confusing question. Let me, let me try to rephrase well, it. Because, yeah. uh, no, I'm going to give you this, Leo. I didn't understand either. Yeah, so that's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. So what I'm, what I'm, what I attempted poorly to, to, to say was, do you feel like, the 3D, because I mean, you 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 obviously did 3D animation because you were you were that was the the trajectory you were on. What do you feel like you borrow from in your 3D animator mind to apply to the current job that you typically do? Oh, um, my day to day today I was working on expressions, mm. stretch, squash, timing, deformation, just the deformation of a stretch and a squash. How how things uh, there's in, in the, in the movement of the shape, there's a timing in a way you can apply timing to, to form, you know, I want to, I don't want to get philosophical, but it really no, is. Good. I mean, if you do stretch and squash, I mean, you just, you just apply the bouncing ball, you see in, you see out, you know, these things. And um, so as simple like today, just like that, it happens already. Um, mm. Expressions, uh, you know, like um, posing, rigging when you get into i mean i'm I, by no means i'm gonna pretend to to be a td character td but i have i was doing a bit of rigging myself and then that gives you that combined mm -hmm. with a bit of that animation part you know that gives you a lot of uh, input on your on your modeling uh, on your modeling skills as well because myself i mean i I, you know, it's very artistic modeling. And one of the things that we've been pushing and pushing during the Disney time and, and afterwards is bringing the modeling into a much more artistic um, play, artistic place, you know, and, and, and involvement. Um, but it's still, I'm quite technical myself, I'm still modeling in some way. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit of, of, but to your question, basically, this is the areas where I think I brought the, the, the knowledge that I had in animation. Right. That makes so, a lot of sense. So would you say that when you're either designing or sculpting a character, you already have some some of the motion in mind that this character will be doing, and so it's going to inform what shape you're going to use, the space that you are going to uh, to 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 create for that character. I do. Yeah. I mean, I try to do that. No, it's, I'm not going to say that I'm always kind of you know hyper connected to this uh, thinking process, but it's. You know, it's it's in you. You know, you definitely. Um, again, to me, the, the my years, I always go back to 
there is highlights, you know, I think we'll have highlights in our career. Mm -hmm. uh, and to me, I, I go, you know, uh, the Uli Mayer part in, in years were like, uh, had a huge influence. So it did Disney yeah. and, and so forth. But, you know, all these 2D things that I was watching and the drawers that, you know, Uli or the other artists will do on top of the models and, and then how the characters will be animated and all of that has definitely a lot of, um, a lot of input. And I don't know if I went away yeah. from the question. No, you're right <laughs> on it. Weird, don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> It's, it's by the way, it's late here. It's, uh, it's nine, what, nine thirty p.m. So oh, that's like David's bedtime. Oh man, <laughs> exactly. Be a mess. Uh, You're doing pretty I, good. I, I could, I'm good. Put my, <laughs> myself back on the reach charger at that that hour. Well, full disclosure. So, I think the reason I asked that question before is because I've noticed a trend um, with regards to riggers and character modelers and other people to, who support essentially the you know the the realization of of an actual you know, character that will be at some point animated. <laughs> and I really find that the, the the ones who do have an animation background are always able to do a lot better, usually, not always. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they're envisioning this thing moving around. I feel like there's modelers that are a little bit guilty, unfortunately, of modeling something like it's going to be a statue. I've worked with a lot of these types of modelers in the past, and it drives me bananas because you'll try to explain these basic concepts like def deformation and you know interpenetration. Like they'll my my favorite are people that like to, to model like these this the our character with armor and the armor there's that makes no sense. They're never ever gonna like actually function. There's like no no design or no uh, sort of. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like industrial design to the actual mechanics of how that would move. So mm -hmm. I feel like animators like always think in motion. And so I would imagine that you're gifted um, in many ways by having that background. It's probably helping. You I, I mean, I will hope so. I mean, what I think that I can tell you is that because of animation, but also a bit of, uh, you know, the rigging that I did, texturing, surfacing, everything, and working at Uli Mayer, working on serial commercials, which again, I'm, I'm so proud to have done that it gave me the idea of everything everything we do i want to see it in context so my workflow has really you know uh work around that and even at my studio that's something that we keep pushing for is everything has to be we want to see the models as early on post or animated mm. we want to see the models as quickly as possible rigged uh, we want to see them with surfacing we want to see them with lighting so in a way, this is all, all this um, animation, uh, the 360 that I was doing on, on my early days is really applying on my day to day. But since I arrived at Disney, since I continue working uh, for the studios or even as a freelance or studio owner, you know, that's, that's really it. I mean, that's to me is the, is the core of our DNA is having all the, all the different departments mm really inputting their you know their part on, on this on this process yeah like in iterating on each other's work not just assuming that the job's done and setting it off it's like checking their work and validating it by seeing it in motion or seeing it lit and rendered yeah that's got to be part of the secret sauce for sure that makes a lot of sense yeah we invest a lot of time uh i mean effort to create tools and things like that but also time in iterating but it's it's just crucial you know it's uh, for us we we do posing very early and we go through sometimes a bit of a pain to tweak the models early on in that pose but is we have to see it like that you know we i just don't want to work in a static t pose characters so but at the same time we rely a lot and i'm going off the question but at the no. same time we really rely on 
on on on on the posing and the rigging. Uh, so we preserve that technical thing that allows to still keep it 360. So we try not to go to break the the, the chain um, mm-hmm. of production in a way. Okay, I think I'm getting. Confused. So, uh, Brent, you mentioned that you've seen often, you know, a department that would say, "Okay, here's an amazing statue. Deal with it." Oh God! But where, where do do you think it's just a lack of interest of what happens after, a lack of knowledge, just laziness, or something that we cannot understand? Because what we're what Leo is saying in his preaching to the choir here is seems pretty obvious. Why are we getting so many time in those situations? I ask this question to myself all of the time. It sometimes just feels like departments, I feel like it's particularly bad in video game production. I don't know exactly why, but there's there's just there, there's just there's a resistance almost. Like it's like they don't have the foresight or they don't have the same level of expectation of like that say that that I would have as far as how our character would evolve into a point where it's like I think from from my perspective what I'm always looking for for a character is how can we as an entire team of different disciplines, get the character that was conceptualized, the essence, the soul of that character, translating onto the the moving the moving uh, frame, like making sure that it's it, it comes to life and it still feels like that character in some ways, you know. And um, I don't feel like everyone thinks that like of it like that. They'd like, oh, I, I'm just going to make sure that the mesh is amazing. Oh, I'm just going to make sure that the rig is so technically precise, and it uh, people tend to silo a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's that's a really the part, but you know, we push all the time for is just how to get that sketch, uh, yeah. you know, the original idea on the screen without having to wait for um, a year down the line of production. <laughs> you know, that's to me, it's, a, it's one of the first things that when I really left DreamWorks to, to start my studio was to really do that. Everything started like by how can we bring modeling into development? How can yeah. we do that without, you know, having modeling involved with the character designers and really working mm-hmm. in that context and anticipating um, problems down the line and solving design problems as well or, or challenges. And then I wanted to do the same for every, for I think every department has the same impact. Mm-hmm. So what I started in uh, creating the studio was to, you know, breaking walls that sometimes you find them in the studio or more uh, often than not um, just have not having these walls like really be able to inject that rigging you know all the departments that I just said before animation is crucial as well um, and that's and again once again for me the, the key the answer is besides obviously the talents that you need to have the right people is um, iterating just working going yeah. back to that working going back to that commercial production thing where you have to uh, two months to do a full-on commercial and you need to have all the departments working together next to each other and then you block in the character the other guy is uh, animating it and, and to me it's really that kind of paradigm of work that I, uh, I try to embrace and and as of now it's never perfect but to me is the is the closest the, the I mean the best way to get to what you're talking about you know yeah I Oh, I was just going to say really quick, the, I feel like studio slash project culture and, um, also the, um, uh, just the, how do you, how do I say this sort of the, 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 sometimes tend, people tend to be a little territorial on, on their part of the job. You know, I think that that is part of this equation here. And the other part is, is that, you know, you need to have like people, like you say, like people need to understand that that's how you make 
a really good character, like I or like uh, to come to life. Like I feel like sometimes maybe some people are not g getting on board because of the status quo. Like, well, they've never done it like that before, so like why bother? They've never tasted what happens when there's a pure fusion of all these crafts coming together to really make sure that they're all working together to make something great, rather than just doing their individual little part. Like a good example I would use is back in the day, it was a big argument with with regards to performance capture. You know, like the idea of using motion capture to capture performance. You know, we don't have to go back too far to find a day where it was all done um, for for very big games. They would capture the body, where um, they would they would record the voices for a story, and then they would actually go and hire a different actor to get in a suit and then try to pantomime to that body. And there were people that were doing conferences on this and swearing that that's the way to do it. But I remember being on the other side of the fence going, no, like if we can find a way of making sure the technology allows us to bring all those things together and capture one single performance. But it was amazing how many arguments were on the other side. It was like maybe even some in some cases, a disinterest in in exploring um, what would happen if we were to, you know, quite literally collaborate uh, much more closely together those 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 fields. So I don't know. It's 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 very weird. Like, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you, if you said you started a, like a studio with this mindset that seems like the perfect place to create characters because you have like from the onset it's a studio culture it's like that's how we do things here it's like we iterate on all, everyone like we we work together on this yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i think when you're in a small team it's uh, it's maybe easier to to do it it's more when you scale and now you have mm. department and you have that's department it. director and you have all that and you have to talk to two coordinator before being able to have that meeting exactly with the, other supervisor, this is where uh, it usually becomes tricky to keep this same collaboration uh, mindset. Yeah, you need to be strategic. I mean, we're, we're going through that, scaling up and not losing that. I mean, when you're like a smaller team and you have like five to 10 people <clears throat> counting all the different disciplines and you barely, I mean, you don't even need at that point uh, production management or anything like you can you can just work as a whole team i mean that is kind of easy and it's very dynamic the moment you need to scale up is when you need to be paying a lot of attention that you don't lose that you know dynam uh, dynamic feel to it you know and, and collaborative uh, things yeah. so and, and every i mean every day we are we are really evaluating this because uh, that's happens really that, that's actually something that I'm interested to. That I don't think that we've ever discussed. What was the motivation to start your own studio? How did that happen? Because you know, I we've went in a you know a similar uh, situation of being artists that you know we didn't go to you know business school or whatever, but yet we have to start a business. So how was the motivation in this journey for you to start your own studio? Um, there were a few. Um, one of them is, I mean, not the, it's not by order, but let's say I never, I never felt like I wanted to, I wanted to go up the ladder at Disney or, I mean, when you're at the studio and things happen, I mean, it's, this is the natural way to, that things are going to come your way. And it's, it really never was my motivation. Um, again, I was in a, in a, in a place personally, in, in a personal place that I could, you know, had no pressure. As I say, I had no family or, uh, you know, I was single and I was young and, you know, I could just try. And, and so that that was for me, like I, I from the very beginning, I never saw myself, let's say, at Disney kind of going into the ladder of supervisor and blah, 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 you know, you know that. So that was that was one of the things. Um, and going 
so then from there what you have uh, left i mean is you can continue working as an artist the studio at that point tried to fit you in in the in the in the structure which is great as well i mean and i'm super grateful um but sorry I'm, i need to think about this a little bit to express to express it properly but yeah. basically it's just i felt like being outside the studio disney or dreamworks it was the only way to do what i wanted to do without having to run into any walls of politics or politics mm -hmm. it was really that um yeah. and then i have to say i mean i mean the studios were really supportive both at disney and and at, the, and at dreamworks to support that idea and try out but um yeah, I wanted to have that freedom of working with whoever I felt that it was the person for the project and at the time, you know, in that moment in time. Um, yeah, not having to deal with, uh, you know, again, for that, that with that structure, walls, politics, you, you name it. Yeah. And then also there was an aspect also on a personal, and, a, and there was something actually personal, which was... Um, I wanted to be I wanted to be able to work with any artists in the world and I wanted to be able to be anywhere in the world and that was and if you're at the studio you cannot do that a at the time it was very difficult to bring people freelancing from the outside bringing people let's say if I wanted to work with a guy in uh, in Japan um, and bring him I mean it's, it's just logistically it doesn't work that way or it wasn't nowadays obviously because of what happens it does and obviously you guys you know better than anyone anybody else how this thing works as i mean is you're in your dna as far as i understand but mm -hmm. um but yeah that was that was one of the that was one of the things and also for me i was looking to be able to be in la be back in europe i wanted to have a bit of that to, yeah. to do what else. uh do you <laughs> feel it because i mean it, it's literally your name that is in the uh, studio title so do you feel that it's a problem that studio will reach out to your studio but they really want to be working with you but at mm. at, at some point you cannot do it all so you have to delegate so how, how is this part of still being the you know the uh, the image of the studio the spokesperson maybe the contact point but convince studio that i I, I will provide the quality that you're expecting, but I won't be the one that is able to to do it. Yeah, I mean, it is, this question is in my mind uh, even today. Just now we're looking at branding and how to, you know, start putting things out there and should it be Leo Sanchez, should it be uh, whatever else? Um, it happened naturally because it was, I started myself 2012, um, going to the attorney, starting the company, what name? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's my name. So let's just start like that. So it wasn't really something that I really thought of it or I had like a cool name that I wanted to have for my company from the very beginning. Um, I could have put uh, whatever name. It doesn't matter because for the company, they will, I could say it's just, it's just me and, and, I, and, and that's just a, like a brand name that I use. Um, so anyway, that's the way it happens and that's why it's my name initially. But um, on to your question, I, mean, I think there is there is two sides. I remember like from Uli Mayer when I was working for his studio. That's what happened. And I, and I overhear sometimes or just chatting with him that that's also, it's also it could be a bit of a curse because as you say, clients are always going to be asking for you and then to, to scale up, it's, it's more, more difficult. But it's the nature of my studio. I mean, we started a, a small and it's been just growing and it's, 
but it's it's really it's at the beginning is the no matter what they were going to ask for me i mean it's just it, it took a bit of a transition it's not that i went from day one just being myself to uh being the whole team i mean it took time it took time to to say, let people know how we work how many people we work and and it's not like just day one i went and start my studio and we were like hey we are a crew of people we're gonna be taking work from all these studios so there was a bit of a transition um now like today i'm thinking about this and I don't have an answer. I see pros and cons for both both reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm tempted to just go um, with uh, another name, um, but then it feels like I need to rebrand myself, and, it, and questions arise again. And where so it's you, or it's going to be somebody else? So I've got uh, a solution for you. I got a solution for you. It's easy. We'll just clone you, and you'll change the name to Leo Sanchez's, right? <laughs> It's a small change. You won't even have to rebrand. The logo can stay the same. It's perfect. So, only... so there's multiple. That's right. There's multiple you, and everyone gets a piece of you this way. But in all seriousness, I mean, there's other other groups have done that. I mean, look at Phil Tippett is a, one of many examples that they they've run into the same kind of problem. And I think that what they needed to figure out is a way of at least at the beginning. Um, now I feel like he's more just a figurehead, but at the beginning he was really involved in all the productions in some way. Like there was like, he had supervision, like he was the quality control, you know, like they knew by sending it, like anyone knew that a client knew sending it to Phil Tippett Studios, it would be like, they knew that it was going to be under his supervision and they could trust it because it was, he wasn't going to let anything out that wasn't yeah. like Phil Tippett approved, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely. I mean, and, and, and I see a lot of, I think it works for, for, I've seen both ways working, really. Yeah. And, and the reality is I work, uh, I'm all the time involved. I have, um, I was through that, you know, you have meetings with clients. I'm, I'm the one, I'm the face for it. But at the same time, I'm touching every project. So it's not that I, it's because it's a, a demand from the client. It's just because it's naturally up to today, still the process is like that. Mm -hmm. We managed to delegate, which uh, is what everyone's saying is very true. Delegation is always the hardest, right? But um, and that's that's how you can scale in a way. But uh, I'm still I'm still hands on on, on on everything. So I don't know. Maybe down the line we will uh, find if things go, you know, the way they are. Maybe we'll, we will come to a, a a point where we will have to just rethink the whole structure and just have a uh, create a brand and i don't know to be honest I, you guys yeah. you, you well guys the difficulty is that you can keep the same name but it needs to represent almost like a brand or an idea of okay that that's the quality level that we can expect mm. but we might be working with uh, the different people uh for you how how much work was it to create your own studio and to run your own uh studio maybe compared to what you thought it would be <laughs> it was gradual um but yeah it was more work than i thought it was just uh it, it, because you start taking on more jobs than i mean in my case it's not because probably different to you guys and, and i like to hear your 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 uh, side of the story if, if you don't mm -hmm. mind but it's not that we needed to jump and right on on creating a full-on pipeline and and something technical and and create like a huge corporation and, and seats and desks and all of that. No, I mean that wasn't the issue. That happened 
Um, that's been happening naturally and through the years, you know, like things like, for example, the pipeline or, or um, legal and all of that. So, if, but it was still, it's been that cliche of like, well, the first 10 years are going to be super hard and then you'll find your way, you know. Um, it's been, actually, it's been a lot of work for good reasons, maybe because it's been a lot of demands, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, so I don't know if, you, if that happens to you in that way, but you get offered the job that is an interesting project, project, and then you get the side projects that you, there like windows that open that you want to jump on because you don't know where that's going to lead. And it's just like, for example, we work for Oculus Studio and you know, that was an opportunity that opened up VR. What is that? And that was back in 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. You just jump on that because you don't want to, you know, it's it's uh, curiosity and, and what could that become? So a lot of things like that who arise and you jump on them. And But that also has, it's a bit of a trap because yeah. it's a lot of work. And it's, yeah, so that that's the, 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 the that was probably for me the most difficult. Um, yeah aspect of uh, in, in entrepreneurship yes skating is super i mean it's already not easy to you know just create a, a studio or a, a, a business to, to start with and have a service or a product that people will actually pay for but i agree that scaling this uh is definitely the hardest uh part i, I don't know if there's a good way to to do it but what it feels like is because the more project you have the more people you need the more people you need to bring on board the more project you can take so you're going to take those extra projects but now you need more people so it very much feels like you're on this train that is moving forward there's no railway in front of you you're building it but on top of that the train is going faster and faster and faster so all the supply chain of material that you need to build this railway in front of you needs to accelerate as well. So you need to make sure that, you know, whoever is cutting the wood to make sure that you'll have the perfect piece of wood, like in two months, it needs to be dealt now. And the, the more it grows, the, 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 the more it, it, the more time it takes to manage all of this. So that's, uh, that's not easy. And then you get to a point that you understand that because, you know, often you, and I can relate to, to what you said that you know you didn't you were you didn't want to deal with the big studio politics because yes the bigger the studio the more politics there is and then you start a small studio like okay now we can do whatever we want and then you start to grow and you get to a point that oh my god i do not know what everyone is doing anymore it's there it so you kind of start to understand like as you're growing and then you start to ask yourself your question well do we want to still grow uh, maybe we want to stop there and then you stop there and you have this amazing project that comes in and like, well, I cannot pass this one. So let's just put this one on the uh, on top of the, the, the plate. So it's a balancing exercise. I have no idea if there's a formula, but it feels like, you know, uh, we, we improvise, but based on educated guess of how based on our experience. Uh, and all that and most of the time we're just we're barely making it in the sense that we just have enough people to take all of those projects but two more projects and it would just derail and then you lose control and this is often when <clears throat> business just collapse under their own weight and ideally you don't want this to happen yeah 
you don't want to die of success, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's, yeah. It's I think it's you're right. I mean, you guys, I don't know about numbers and the projects that you have, but obviously, it's in a way it's also based on the, on the scale. For us, we haven't um, besides some projects where we had to uh, uh, scale in a more uh, obvious way. I mean, in general, it's it's we haven't been going that far, but I it's. Yeah, it's. I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's the, tricky. very tricky. And the amount of work is very difficult because you're <laughs> on your own bus, so you don't really have a limitation on the amount of hours that you can put into your own. So I'm pretty sure that you, at some point, you were struggling as well between the private and work uh, balance of, oh my God, how many hours did I do and why am I constantly tired now? And Well, it's... Uh, that hasn't that's that's something i'm still dealing with i mean it's it's uh sounds again like a cliche but it's when <clears throat> our hobby becomes our job and so on and you know it snowball keeps rolling and, and then you become you know you, you start your own business and then you put more energy and then more time and it's it's really easy to lose balance you know so yeah. i'm trying to stay stay healthy stay safe but it's still I'm, I'm trying to find ways to find a more uh, regular schedule, time schedule, and start at a decent time and finish at a decent time. But yeah, um, when you figure that I, out, let me know, okay? Because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> same same thing. You guys tell me because I think that's the usual the usual uh, struggle. But it seems to be life these days, right? Whether if it's work and you combine it with family and all of that, it just gets very tricky. Yeah. But for us, it's been. Uh, I'm getting better and then I'm by also scaling and doing it the right way, uh, not going to, not losing control. That's what we're trying to do right now. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of finding, uh, I'm putting more focus more than before into the, let's say, production and, and management and, and a bit of training as well and getting the, you know, see if, you know, getting the right people. So that's, it feels like that's the, the, the route where, in some other cases, I was really putting more just the muscle in the time and it's, it's not really a good formula. Yeah. Did you ever feel that it might impact your love for the craft in, in, in general or it didn't get to, to this point? Yet? It did, actually. It happened. It happened at some point. I was in, I was, uh, I had less and less of those those moments where you're like, in, on, you know, like, like in, the, in the zone. And then you're like, I love these moments when you're like working, mm. sometimes late and and before, when I was, I don't know, when I was working at Disney, that will happen every day and or every other day. When I was at DreamWorks, the same thing. And then on my own, it will start to be every other day. And then eventually it will become more like in, you're in a constant race. You need to deliver the quality and manage this and manage that. I, I believe we delivered, but how is my passion and my entertainment and my those moments you know that's I, I felt at some point that I was getting a little bit burnt out and yeah. um and we that's when we pulled back a bit and like now we we put the focus in in a different way so we have yeah. also managed to find a production that really allows that that we can really focus in one because that's the other thing when you have a, a business in a studio is like you cannot just rely on oh like I'm gonna do a two, three characters for this project. No, you need to keep feeding the machine besides the other windows that they were opening that I was telling you that you wanna take on, you know? So it's too too many, your your uh, your view your uh, has to be in many, many things. Now we're managing to really focus on on, on, on 
less projects, but of a higher scale, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah, and there's also almost a point where you need to start to be a little bit. I don't want to say selfish, but think about yourself because, you know, physical and mental health needs to, you need to maintain those because otherwise, if you're the leader of your studio and you just burn out and you disappear for three months, uh, no one is going well, to benefit from. But right? that's assuming we don't figure out the whole t cloning thing because he can just burn out his clones. True, true. And just <laughs> don't, right? Remember. <laughs> He could, Leo oh, yeah, could just end up being like this disembodied head in, floating in like in some sort of like a mad scientist like dome, and uh, he just has his his drawing. You know, it's, it's something. Come on, it's fine. Maybe, right? it's, maybe it's, I'm not who I am. Maybe it's not me. Right? We don't even know. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, right? plot, I mean, plot twist. Uh, I, just... <laughs> I did not see that coming. Uh, Leo, you mentioned some of the uh, uh, cool projects that you were working on, and I wanted to ask about the um, the uh, uh, window. Um, Windshield washer, windshield, uh, windshield wiper. Thank you. <laughs> I was looking for the what, what was it? Uh, how did that happen to be in touch with uh, Alberto Mielgo? Because from from what I've from from what I, I know that this that's a project that's been going on for quite uh, some time already mm -hmm. before it got ready. So how did you get involved with it and maybe discuss a little bit about working with Alberto? Um, uh, I knew Alberto from London, um, yeah. I don't know, back in 2002 or something like that. And I, I mean, the day that he arrived at the studio and he had, he showed his demo reel was like everyone back then, everyone was blown away already. I mean, uh, we stay friends, um, and, uh, I always love his work, you know, as a, as a 2D painter and art direct and visual piece of artist, animator, everything. Uh, then he moved to LA and then we became closer friends. We were hanging out all the time and, and yeah, we were just, you know, it's just, uh, conversations will happen. And at some point we did a little test. I was very curious about translating his, his approach to, to, to painting and, and characters and all of that into, into 3d and, um, because it's kind of very graphic. I mean, it's, I always see that. The way he stylized, uh, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to try to put words into his, his approach, but let's, let's say you get his paintings. He's, they're very tangible. The lighting feels very physical in a way. It has reflections. It has, but I don't know if it just feels right, right? It's so appealing at the same time. It feels graphic. And how could that be translated into 3D and into the characters? So uh, just one day over brunch, he, he told me he had this, well, I already knew that he had that short film that he was producing with another a beer company. And he was an, he was an fulfilled, let's put it this way at the time. So I had my team already. I mean, because that's one of the things for the development of the, to develop the characters the way I wanted to do, or we do, you need, let's say the least, you need a rigor, you need a, a modeler, texture artist, lighting, blah, blah, blah. So. You know, once you realize you, you realize you can do a bit of production at the same time. So, um, so I just uh, offer him to you know we could I could bring my team and then our expertise, especially in characters, because there were a lot of characters, and then also starting the the CG uh, kind of workflow and pipeline, especially in the front end. Mm -hmm. And that is the way I started. Um, 
and I can, uh, and then, so yeah, it started like that, um, more as a, I will help you, you know, I will do it more as a, let's say I'm, I will be your vendor in a way, mm -hmm. uh, but in a much more controlled way than a bigger company. And then kind of felt natural that eventually we became a co-production and co-finance and it became a, a project by Alberto Mialgo, it's his idea, his direction and everything, but it's something that we co-produce at the end of the day. So, yeah. Um, Yep. I'd be so intimidated like that this this man's work I'm just he's such a visionary everything I see of his is just like I don't even know I don't even know how to start yeah it's so prolific at the same time I mean it's yeah. like he produces so much so much it's incredible so how, yeah how is it to work with him and it would be because we we had a chance to collaborate with uh, with him on two project <laughs> and he's a pretty intense genius in the sense that you need to channel his creativity uh at the same time you don't want to be in the way you you want to be uh you know on his uh, uh good side but the amount of just the the outpour of creativity is uh it, it is quite something so how, how was your collaboration with him um, I think you put it in good words. I mean, that's uh, that's that would be pretty much it. I mean, I would say that Alberto has and you you put it in better words than I would put it in a way because I um, it's been intense. You know, um, it's not that I'm choosing my words; it's just that I'm trying to be true <laughs> to the process. Uh, it's been five, six years, and it's been a co-production. So. You know, it's uh, I've been you know we've been trying to support each other. It's true that he's he's basically he's as you put it he's got that view. He's he's the thing is he's very strong about what he he likes. You know, and that's boom. You know, yeah. that's, that's the way it is. And sometimes it's you know it gets you a little bit of well you know wait let me you know that's you know it's a bit of that but it's um. Yeah, it's been difficult in, 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 in along these six years. It's been areas that it's been tricky, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, I would say that it's part of the, of the creative process. So I don't know, man. I don't think I can tell you that um, I'm just going to keep going around and around. I think you put it in really good words. Uh, that has this vision. It's a strong like artist that goes and it, it can be a little bit intimidating and intense in some areas. But ultimately, if I can say whatever happened through the process and i don't want to sound you know a bit uh, kind of leave it everything in a nice way the output the outcome now we have the shorts and then you're like well you know that's that it was it was worth you know uh but at the same time uh, we divided in in good ways that alberto had he was the director i could do more in the in the character creation you know develop the tools that we did for that uh the craft on all the character creation. And then we provide to him whatever on our knowledge was on the technical side. And, but then the front, the back end was his part. So, you know, that's something that we could separate pretty well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I have to say the end result is pretty spectacular, like most of the work that's been that's it. doing. That's, I mean, the, he has a style and it's constant, uh, consistently of super high quality um and something that i've also and i'm pretty sure it was the the, the, the same thing on, on those uh short is the when you look at the animatic that is building 
it's just like those could be piece of art on 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 themselves just how he bring life to his own storyboard you you know exactly where it is going so he, he saw me with his cinematic of the, the windshield <laughs> it was it was incredible I mean, that's his the, secret sauce right his those yeah. animatics of his are legendary i saw the whole thing boarded with music and you could just what what if the feelings you get watching the short film if you get feelings i mean that's what i was getting looking at the animatic already and i think that's really besides everything i told you why i wanted to you know jump and how naturally happened working with alberto but also a big selling point was i mean it's a 15 minute short film it's not and it's it's not something that you jump on like every day right hmm. uh the animatic was like well here there is well there's there's definitely something and it was it was a uh, I never saw anything directed by besides his sketches or his clips that he would do. That was the first time that I saw something directed by Alberto Miogo. And he was like, wow, yeah, that's, you know, there was something, something, something good here. <laughs> that's yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, I've, I've never worked um, on a project of his, but I, I've, I've, I've met a few people who have, and it's, it seems like that's it. Like, it's like, he's, he's, I mean, you can see it at the animatic stage. It's clear, like he sees the whole film, like it's like as if it's already done in his head. It seems like it's it's a very hyper specific, very crafted feeling to what his vision is. And then it sounds like he just he's just like a laser beam yeah. trying to get to that all along. Yeah, I mean, for, yeah. For, for everyone that you know had the experience of uh, working for directors that don't really know what they're going and what oh. they want and they hesitate they, everyone should have the opportunity for a day <laughs> to, to work <laughs> under alberto supervision just to have a taste of what yeah. it is to have Who's someone that is 300 percent intense and knows exactly where it's going and has a track record of producing amazing work what's interesting is is that like i feel like if you were to get that experience and get both of those experience on both ends of the spectrum they both come with their challenges right like both of them mm -hmm. one challenges are like it's it's devoid it's like a vacuum of information they don't really know what they want they, they'll know it when they see it and on the other side it's like this hyper focused sort of uh, push towards a singular specific thing that like unless you per like nail it it'll be very difficult to get it get it approved like it's like you know, it's they're both they both are challenging for sure I'm, i i would imagine yeah um can you uh, i was asking you what projects did you did you work on with him uh, uh we worked on the uh, uh the watchdog a short film that oh, he okay. uh, released uh, we were just a little bit, actually, uh, Jacob and two other animators worked a little bit on the, the, the witness, uh, just in the animation. Uh, nice. And we just completed another project with him that is not uh, released yet, but that's going to be Oh, the one that he just amazing. finished? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I hear that. So this one, I cannot wait. Even myself, I just saw, in terms of final rendering, I just saw a few shots, but just those few shots, I was like, holy shit, that's a new... <laughs> another yeah, another version level. of what he's able to to do let's just put it the, the, this way it's in the the same style but it's just in a complete different creative <laughs> direction That's while people I... are still trying to struggle to reach the the previous bar that he set he's now of course <laughs> creating a whole other one to completely yeah, depress yeah. everybody in the industry thank you for that well Alberto. yeah this one will Sorry. be uh pretty intense um uh, uh it's hard to to not touch to, uh, at what the uh, uh, you know the 
the impact of the pandemic uh, had on uh, you know a entrepreneur like you someone that has a studio that has a physical studio and then we're all working in in remote how was the last two years for for you and how how did it impacted uh, your uh, your studio it didn't really impact in a, in a big way because from the very beginning we thought of this as a remote uh, way of working and uh, as you know we had a studio in barcelona for a for a time the reality is it was for for a project and then during the the the, pan, uh, the pandemic was kind of the trigger to just realize that it's still like workflow is really um off-site really and remote mm -hmm. so besides that i mean uh, everything has been i mean there was a moment in time that personal things it was it was tough during that time mm -hmm. and we have we took a bit of a break um, besides that um, it's it really it's been okay you know everything, okay. everyone has been because we work um remotely so it's yeah, um, yeah. We didn't really have to be, do a big shift in, in that aspect. So the studio was literally just for a project that for, I imagine, security or confidentiality reason needed to be uh, uh, on site. So that's, is that it? Uh, not a bit of that uh, location. And also, I also, as I told you before, I wanted to, um, it's funny, because, I mean, just to, I, uh, the way it's been, I thought of this um, studio was like remote, but at some point you romanticize about having the little atelier, the little boutique. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you get a project, you need to put together a team or that also has to be together. And also you put that ingredient of, you know, being in Europe and having uh, the team together. And that's, that's how it happened. Okay. But then, uh, you know, after, after we got, the pandemic kind of put you in a place that okay you need to think about this is it really now to be continue this in this, in this uh, trajectory we never thought we were going to leave aside the the remote uh, way of working because that's again that's our dna but do we want to continue this other this other way and then at this moment in, at that moment in time it wasn't it wasn't really working if we have to i mean we have now the again the know-how to kind of build something again physically and and we could but yeah. Do you think that's something that's going to happen or it's not really on, on your mind at all of eventually opening this little, like you said, little boutique studio? It could happen. I mean, conversations more and more happen. I mean, uh, there's more work and then interest on, um, you know, on, on doing bigger things and stuff like that. So it could happen, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I will never... Uh, I like it to work in a way that you work in that. I mean, I mean the way I see it is that you can have a, a place that is physically, you have people working there, but it's kind of, if possible, almost seamless that the other people are connected outside as well. Mm -hmm. Have the best of being inside the studio and then also have the best of other people living and uh, working from, from the outside. So, and we will have to think about it for the, the version 2.0 of, of things. You, you said the word almost seamless. Oh, wow. Let me try that more time. One more time. Almost yeah. seamless. What, what, when you say almost, what are, what are the barriers you think that you wouldn't be able to make fully seamless? Well, I mean, it's, uh, there is, there are still things that I hate about working remotely and it's just the, um, and that's, I don't think that's going to be 
fixed goal for now until you know Tim Ferriss or one of these guys writes a book about how to work uh, <laughs> and super efficient but uh, uh, I think it's uh, yeah just go and be able to go and talk to your colleague next to you and yeah. then say hey let's I don't know little things hey what yeah. are you working hey show me hey can you come here hey let's go and have a coffee like the, the good things that you get working at the studio that's that's what you don't get. You can still yeah. have Slack yeah. and the video conference and call each other, but it's never the same. Never. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, for me, the almost part is that there's some stuff that is obviously better in person, like, you know, just so socializing, but, you know, brainstorming and sometimes some meeting and, and you know, uh, we, we get used to Zoom meeting, but, you know, it, it, there's always this little awkward, uh, you know, a little delay and it's always one person that is so, when you're a group of, of people, it's way better in, in person. On the flip side, there's some stuff that is way better in remote. If you want to just put your headphone and work and be concentrated for six hours and not having any distraction, that's perfect from, from home. But the tough part is what you mentioned, Leo, this, uh, you know, impromptu uh, or just, you know, hey, come in and look at, uh, have a look at what I'm doing here or just this water cooler conversation or all those little, so it's not an official brainstorm, it's not an official lunch, it's not a, you know, uh, a cocktail party or a meeting, uh, but there's no way that you can prepare for those. They just happen by accident if you are together in the same place and they might also, they might also not happen at all. Mm -hmm. So I think those are those moments that are impossible to predict, but sometimes can have a huge impact on production that will might fall in between if you have this kind of hybrid, uh, uh, hybrid approach of sometime we're at the studio, sometime we're, we're uh, working from home. And mainly when we're at the studio, it's because we officially going to socialize and, and you know have all of those brainstorming meetings and all that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, there's it's just the little things like... Uh... Like, a, for example, a bigger studios like Dream, Disney or DreamWorks, it's just having lunch, having a coffee. The things that you talk about, you know, it's, it's not that you talk about work all the time, but you talk about what's happening, um, yeah. struggles. And I remember at Disney, something I used to love, it was just walk around, man. I, I, walk, I, I was walking, I, yeah. I, I would have to stay afterwards and work a bit longer, but just going into sneaking in daily animation dailies and see what animation is doing. Mm. Uh, or the guy that you know that is grooming your character, just go down to their office and, hey, how is that looking? You know, and that, these kind of things are just priceless. I used to love it. And it's not just going to the art department, as I was saying at the beginning of yeah. our conversation. It's just, that's, you, you don't get that unless you're really proactive and you're like, hey, can I call you and show me what you're doing? You know, that's... Exactly. So yeah, um, there's like a rapport that you get to sort of that happens organically when you're in the space with other people. It's like yeah. it just happens because you can just walk down a hallway or yeah, it's true. It's, it's it seems like it should be easy because it's like just a click away. But for some reason, it feels artificial. It doesn't feel it feels like it needs to be scheduled as opposed to just organic. That's the yeah. that's the trick. I think it's going to change. I mean, it's in, uh, as I said, books are going to be written or software is going to be created. You know, it's going to get better and better, but uh, well, getting closer. But yeah, it's. Uh, it does seem like Zuckerberg solved it because because of Meta. So I guess we'll just live in the in the virtual world, and that'll solve everything, right? Right. There we go. What could possibly go wrong? We'll just never leave our house. Nothing. It's bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. 
Hey Brent, I didn't really look at the chat. Do we have some? Yeah, yeah, questions? we have a couple. Yeah, we should probably we should segue over to that so we don't uh, leave people in the lurch. Um, I have a question from earlier in the stream, but it already got answered. So it was a, it was a question specifically on how how uh, Leo you got involved with about uh, Alberto and um, his uh, windshield wiper project. So we've already oh. covered that. We have another one here that's very specific to a workflow. Let me bring it up. Um, Right here. So the question is from Petar. He says, uh, in your workflow, was you, uh, what's your interaction with specifically with the rigger? Do you send a quick proxy model so they start building the rig? Does the character go back and forth between departments a lot before it's finalized? What kind of iterations happen? Like we touched on this, but it sounds like he's sort of like looking for um, uh, maybe like uh, um, uh, with like the standard procedure that you would typically uh, see. Yeah, so we create, I mean, we rough in the model as quick as possible, but still like with a, a decent decent shape. Um, depending on the project, we might have universal topology for the scheme or not. But the, the thing is, we just want something that works. We throw the rig and we put it to post, uh, we do I mean, we do poses right away. Um, the key is that the rig that we have has to be versatile enough that we can scale it we we call it uh, creative rig so you mm -hmm. can scale proportions you can even sculpt you can do a lot of things with this rig that we use at this point okay and then from there anything that we apply to it i want to be able to retrofit it into the neutral into that work in progress neutral so if i scale the head or if i make the limbs thicker or i could even actually go in a sculpt connected to the rig still that i want that back into the neutral so that's that's why i'm against about the digital maquettes that they look beautiful but they're like nicely and shit i'm not against i mean if you got if i get like a ken melton sculpture or you know any of these amazing guys i mean obviously you get other sort of uh, input there that is very valuable but in our workflow at that point no digital maquettes no baking everything has to stay connected and we just want to you know retrofit everything back to our neutral we do that we keep working on the model. We keep connecting to the rigger, uh, the rig. I mean, to the rig through the rigger, and we keep updating these poses, and we keep going on mm. that circle, that circle, that circle. So it's interesting. So it's so this this it's almost like a pre-production rig. It's some sort of special rig that's specially designed for this process um, to keep it light and nimble for this exact kind of iteration. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, uh, it's something that we don't put that that the core of the rig it goes through production because the information that we find about joint placement and all of that we want to keep it. Yeah, but it has a lot more things that we use at that stage that then we would do like the onion thing that we just peel it off and let it, you know, stay in production. Mm. So yeah, that's 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 the way we do it. That's awesome. It's, so it's funny because I don't think I've ever worked on a production where they have exactly that process, like where they've like they just. It sounds like you've just committed to the, essentially the 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 right way to do it, and you've you know built an entire pipeline around it, which is <laughs> seems like music to my ears. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's that's where our effort com again continues and going. I mean, and we invest time and energy just to yeah. that. So, do do you feel that when you're working with studio, you have more of a almost a creative partnership relationship than just a vendor of being told exactly what is uh, needed. Is it part of a little bit of the uh, branding of the, the the studio that you are your house because of our skill, but our expertise as well with the entire workflow of creating characters? Yeah. I mean, we've been super lucky 
I think there hasn't been a project that we felt that it was just a service. Um, not that it comes to my mind. If there was, probably I just erased it from my mind. But mm-hmm. no, I think in general uh, we get a lot of um, a lot of trust. You know, because it comes initially from a creative design model. You know that eventually, or that was at the very beginning. It will go into oh, we do the process and then. You know they they embrace this process and nowadays like on this movie that we're working on now it's just from the very beginning it's established we're going to work that way and everyone is it's everyone is very supportive to be honest i don't know mm-hmm. why that like that but uh, yeah. yeah it's and i don't know if it's because we are not uh, literally a vendor that is going to make the movie we are the you know the let's call it an entity before and which we work is it's like we partner with uh, our clients and their creative teams to make this package together. So it's, it's yeah, that, that would be the. Yeah, I just remember you work with uh, Pierre on his uh, on his current feature. Did you? Yeah, yeah, we work. Um, how, how, we, we just had him a couple of weeks ago. How was that collaboration? Did you work with Pierre directly, or you work more with uh, character designers, or? So in this particular project, we did quite a bit more on the look development part, like the fur and then the rendering. Then we work on some poses of the characters, not so much on the on the modeling actually. It's one of the okay. few projects that we have and probably one of the projects uh, that we've done that has been less involved about character sculpting and all of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, we did a lot the clothing, uh, the poses, uh, expressions, and then. Um, and then, and then they looked at it. But funny enough, it's probably the project that I work, I have worked less with Pierre directly. <laughs> we work, Pierre is super supportive with us. We work every project that I can work on with, with Pierre that he's available and he's able to collaborate and help us out. Yeah. Uh, we always uh, work together. I mean, he's, I love Pierre. I mean, he's incredibly talented. And and yeah, so I mean, you know, you know his work. But funny enough, in his project, uh, it, it's we. I mean, he's there. Di- he's directing, so it's uh, we. Were he working. already has a lot of things <laughs> to yeah. take care for. Uh, yeah. What would be the, the the project that was the most uh, fulfilling for for you, or you were the happiest uh, with since you uh, started the? <laughs> this question gave uh, me a headache. Exactly. I see now. Oh, okay. Scanning all of the project. <laughs> I mean, because sometimes not. It's funny that not the ones that you're more proud of are not the easiest that you. Mm. You know, it's. Um, it's often if it's like too, that. If it's too easy, it's no. no just recently, uh, no. I could number like. I mean, honestly, I don't want to sound like. Um, at DreamWorks, we work in great projects with Pierre, for example, on the Larry Kings, the mm-hmm. Bilby that became the Bilby. Mm-hmm. That was that was a great project to work on. Um, uh, Angry Birds, the two movies. The at first Angry Birds was like the great opportunity for us to show this process and 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 work with a vendor that will support our our process. And just with them, the same company, but the same producers and creative team. We just uh, uh, we just uh, com- uh, we just did uh, Garfield. That was uh, mm-hmm. really. If you saw them, they just posted some images. So these renders, actually, that some of the some of the work we did. That was that was uh, the output was something we were really proud of. But also the process working with them that was that was mm-hmm. really really great. 
Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's so many, uh, yeah, so many. Uh, with Glenn Keane, I mean, we did uh, Over the Moon. That mm. was with Glenn. It's always a highlight just because creatively it's, it's nice to work with uh, Glenn and his team. But also a little uh, smaller project that was really challenging, but was really cool. Um, Trust Track, Glenn and his mm. son Max. Uh, yeah. So we did, that was actually a huge challenge for us because what started as the character development of the two main characters, the, the track and the kids, which now is on Netflix, but uh, they uh, it turned to be a, a pilot that we fully developed, like a one minute pilot. So uh, that was really, um, yeah, that was a highlight as well. Yeah, so that that sort of uh, that sort of projects, you know. I think we're, Brent, we just had another question yeah, from. Yeah, basically, Pitar had another question. This time, it's essentially the opposite of what David asked. Did you have oh. a project that was difficult? And I don't mean like, I don't think he means like one that you didn't like working on, but one that, um, here is the question right here, basically one that was difficult that you needed to kind of pull out all your big tricks to to, to resolve something that was a challenge. Oh, <laughs> Uh, it's not that I don't want to say, it's just uh, um... Welcome to Petter's world, by the way. He's he's always the one with the with the difficult questions. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Well, thank That's you. Yeah. Does. Right. It's his thing. Uh, I think it's just when it becomes a bit more... Um, but I don't have a project uh, that I would say specifically. Um, but it's, it's the kind of projects that they become more management orientated process which again as i said before we've been pretty lucky to work our way you know our own way but um yeah it sounds like your yeah, process is designed to avoid these kind of conundrums in a way right yeah That's yeah but it part. honestly hasn't happened that much and and again uh, the windshield wiper it's been it's been uh it's been a project that it's been um difficult because it's been challenging you know very mm. much and in, uh, in doing all on this you know some occasions it was on the side some other occasions we managed to find the time at the studio to do it but mm. uh that was yeah that was that was really challenging and for that one it, there was you just you just keep going you know that there is there is no other way really yeah so i don't, I don't have a really good answer no problem just grinding your way forward out of it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's it because I mean, we all know this is the, the you know what is the twenty eighty percent blah 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 you know the excitement at the beginning you but at some point is you get you need to turn I remind myself very often about the marathon thing that you know people also say this is not a sprint this is a, a marathon yeah. so it kind of naturally I have built in that patience I mean I think we all work in animation we have to have that right I mean it's so, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is not an impatient person's world. That's for sure. Yeah. How, how do you foresee the, uh, the the future for for your studio? So I want to, um, with these projects we're working on, and the way I say that we are developing more pipeline and be more efficient and and so forth. I really want to master that. I don't think we will master it completely because that's more of an evolving thing and. But I want to, you know, I that's the that's what we want to reach. That say, you know, that that this is this machine is really working. And now, where we were spending time on, let's say, processes, now we can focus on the creative part to just even keep elevating things. Um, that would that would be one. And then 
we are looking always again looking for windows might be creating ips uh, new you know personal projects storytelling you know i think that could be also uh, a way but i would come afterwards yeah maybe in the in the new year once we have this first phase uh, done uh yeah probably probably getting into pursuing more pursuing more the a bit of production or or development and do you see yourself in the same role that you are now or slowly evolving into doing something else as the machine is becoming more and more autonomous i want to get out of um, redundancies things that i still do mm. i think I, but i still want to have my hands uh, a little bit on, on it i don't think i'll completely um unless things change drastically or dramatically i think i'm probably in i will still be working in in, in the models i think at least for mm -hmm. now Uh, I like that. I think it keeps me attached to to the characters and to the work. But I do a lot of work that is easily still nowadays that it's, you know, you can, you know, there we have great artists and, and talent that can can eventually handle that. Not from the because it's highly, you know, because you can delegate it basically. And that's that's what I want to do. But um, my position, I mean, it's, as you know, it requires more and more time on you know management or supervision or uh clients and, and all of that so i think that's probably yeah so maybe less of the supervision and management and more ends up and being able to say oh that project is interesting this little project is interesting oh i have my own project i'm going to uh to 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 bring and push forward yeah yeah i can see more of that you know especially yeah we have a uh, something a project that involves more um, you know the development of the as again as a story and things like that that could be yeah or something that it's more our because we always at the end of the day working for other projects for other stories for other studios maybe we can create our own you know it's you know that, that could be something quite um, rewarding and interesting for us yeah But we don't lose contact with what we do i mean that's one of the things that i'm, I'm so sure about we do character creation character development it's is this is once again this is our dna and, and we love doing the craft i mean it's i love that craft and it's enough we intend to continue doing so yeah so it's almost spending 10 years to build your own studio that you'll be able to use eventually to work on <laughs> your own project that sounds like a pretty great master plan if you can survive this decade of <laughs> our artwork that would be good you know it's uh build something you know, at least is, is worth and you can be proud of you know after a while because if years go by so quickly i mean i can't believe that we are reaching the 10 year uh yeah in a few months actually so it's already you started in 2012 yeah march 2012 yeah so wow great. it must feel like it just you blinked it it just disappeared that time it's scary huh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah that's the last couple of years hasn't helped much it's sort of like a black hole of time yeah. i uh i seeing that we I, i mean we're we're wrapping up here but i just i i just wanted to ask one last question here that um you know considering that the not all but i think probably the vast majority of the people that are in our audience tend to be more in the animation spectrum of of digital art i'm curious is from your very unique and very experienced perspective is there something 
that you wish that they knew or like, you know, it could be a pet peeve or it could be like something that you wish all animators better understood about the world that you live in. What would that one thing be? People are starting. Mostly, you say. Yeah, either people that are starting out in the industry, or or like you know, like a good a good tip for them, you know, because I'm always interested in in like trying. This is why we we have people like you on, is because I think it's really important that we expose artists to the different types of disciplines. Because if we're expecting them at all to understand that they have to work together to make something great, that they kind of need to know a little bit about the other person's discipline and job. What are the difficult struggles they'd have they have to sort of face? Um, yeah. So that you know. Maybe they can remove some of those struggles from, you know, from your from your plate potentially. Well, I mean, I'm sure that half an hour later I'll have a, a much better answer than now. <laughs> I know, it's I, kind, I, kind I, of a deep question. Uh, you know, I no, well, I mean, it's just again, it's it's, it's the end of the day, some of it. Uh, but uh, let me. One thing that is usually I get asked this question, but it's more uh, for people starting in the in the industry, and I think it's a lot of it is it comes to me to have a be like. As I say, our DNA goes back into the 360, knowing every department what, mm -hmm. what it's doing. Um, and I think to me that's really important. So I'm going to name it, let's say, the serial commercial approach. You know, mm -hmm. uh, just it's, if you can, if you can, I mean, knowing more about, not meaning like just getting a specialist in every single department, but mm -hmm. if, if you're a student, and I, I mean, if a, a student, um, like a beginner, and someone has a chance to work on commercials, that's one thing that I will say, number one, before jumping mm. in a, a bigger studio, because that's a great idea. Um, but then other, other than that, I think is, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I found at the studios when I arrived, coming from my previous uh, experience, everyone was in their, you know, in in their, the box that was created at the studio for them, you know, but it was it was very difficult to connect between departments. So I would, I would probably say that. Um, it's great advice. Basically, like live, try to find a way of living in the shoes of other sort of disciplines so that you can better understand them, right? Like the, the, the commercial example is because to, you're, it's, it's very famous, that industry for having to wear many hats. Small boutiques, you're a CG artist, you're doing the character modeling, you're doing the animation, you're doing like all the things. And so you have, you build an appreciation for all those steps, basically, right? Yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, that's yeah. to me something that is key. Yeah, Absolutely. and then you specialize yourself in what you like and what you love doing. I never became an amazing rigger or, or you know, or the other departments, but I had a good, uh, mm -hmm. a good career. Yeah, you, you can speak that language with uh, them. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, and it's, you don't need to go through a small studio to get this experience, but it definitely helps if, yeah. you, mm -hmm. if you do, because it kind of force you to be a you know ma master your own craft but be aware and practice a little bit of what is mm -hmm. before and, and after mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. well gentlemen it's uh two minutes over the time i would like to thank you both very much for your time and your energy your experience yeah. it was uh, awesome you. to have you on the show leo thank Thanks, you for having leo. me it's been uh, it's been very very easy you made it easy for me so <laughs> well that's so good We'll let you go rest now. Cool. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you, yeah, it's it's late for you. It's like what is that? Ten thirty right now for you? Ten thirty p.m. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for staying up late just for us. No, no, my pleasure. So yeah, thank you guys. And, um, Absolutely. See you soon. Cheers. See you in the Cheers. next one. Thank Bye you. Guys. 
another conversation with a blink your eyes and it's done. So an hour and a half uh, kind of goes very, very quickly um, when you have these awesome casual conversations with these amazing people. So I'd just like to thank again, uh, Leo Sanchez for being our guest. Thank you chat for being here. Um, and um, yeah, um, stay animated. We're happy to have you in the community, but uh, you know you don't have to actually animate to be uh, to 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 make that make sense. When I say stay animated, just sort of a thing I say. But thank you very much for being part of the community. It means a lot to us that you're uh, kind of around and you're here to ask the questions. And uh, we we put these these streams together for you after all. So it's nice to um, always see you come out to these. So um, until the next one, I when we have something interesting, I should probably say really quickly. Tuesday tomorrow night, we're going to be doing something kind of. Tuesday nights are our random nights where we're, where, where David and I are experimenting with different formats. Um, so tomorrow night we're doing this sort of debate. Um, I'm not going to tell you who the guests are yet because uh, to be completely honest, it's a little bit in flux, but I can tell you that David and I are going to be there and I can tell you that at least one other person is going to be there and we're going to be debating. Uh, we're going to look for some, um, you know, some big topics that are kind of polarizing and people have different opinions on and um, and then we're just going to have at it. You know, these things kind of happen up happen naturally on our Q&As because people will ask a question and David and I react to it. And sometimes we'll play both sides, but it will be the point of this particular stream to try to play both sides just to kind of give some perspective because the truth usually lies in the middle of these kind of issues. It's never a black and white thing. If it was black and white, it would be pretty easy. So there's the tease for tomorrow night. Um, thanks again. See you guys around. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.